All right, guys, so I want to welcome everybody out to our lead loss Harley-Davidson podcast episode four. Sitting here with Keith Hurt, our service part manager. What's up? What's up, Keith? So on this podcast, we're going to talk about a topic that I think gets a lot of questions from a lot of people. And so we want to try to clear this up as much as possible and give you guys as much information as possible so you can make kind of an educated decision when you're doing performance parts and exhaust. So, yeah, that is the topic today. You know, everything from exhaust to performance parts, aftermarket, Screaming Eagle, the warranty implications of that, and maybe the carb and EPA implications of that as well. And just educating people on how to make the best decision from from the standpoint of a consumer on, you know, the risk versus reward on, on all these things. And if you don't want any risk at all, you know, how to how to navigate that as well. So um, and there's been a lot of negative chatter over the internet, I think in the past year, uh, especially with the exhaust situation and tuners. And so we kind of want to uh, tackle that a little bit as well, just because I think there's just a ton of bad information out there among a lot of people. And I just, I read a lot of stuff online and yeah, just a lot of bad information out there. So hopefully we can clear that up. And so people are really knowledgeable on the facts out there. So I think we're going to jump in with uh, warranty first. And, you know, obviously Keith spent the majority of his life, you know, working in the service department. So he kind of knows the ins and outs of claims uh, warranty and, and really all the fine minute detail yeah. of all that stuff. Yeah. So like Matt said, we're going to um, cover, you know, we thought we'd start off with our uh, series on performance parts and uh, start off uh, war- talking about warranty and tuners since that's a hot topic. And I went back and reviewed some of the comments on some of the earlier podcasts to see some s- specific questions, but um, then we're going to cover like stage one performance in this one and then go forward, going forward, we'll cover stage two, three, and four. Um, and whatever anybody wants to talk about. Um, but we're going to talk in, you know, we'll talk in specifics about warranty and tuners and stuff. But in general, it's hard. We can't cover every stage one out there, you know, air cleaner, muffler, all that stuff. So we'll, what we're going to talk about is, you know, kind of in general generalities or, you know, over kind of an overview. Um, <clears throat> if people have specific questions about things, they can, you know, more than welcome to shoot me an email or throw up a comment or whatever. And, and uh, we'll try to address those as they come. So, you know, first of all, starting out, you know, just uh, go getting into this, you know, again, I've, I said this before, um, this is important. Um, these are my opinions based on my experience. Um, they have nothing to do with the motor company's views or any of their policies or anything like that. Um, they're solely my, you know, my views here based on my experience and, and at laid laws, Harley Davidson. And we're not spoke spokespeople it. for the yeah. Harley Davidson motor company. Exactly. So. so getting that out of the way early on. So, um, starting in the warranty discussion, you know, I wanted to uh, actually read a couple excerpts from the warranty statement from Harley Davidson. Um, all dealers have this posted on their wall, normally in their service department lobby area, as well as it's in your uh, in a owner's manual for a motorcycle, which everybody knows. They, nobody opens an owner's manual, right? But yeah, it's it's in there if you want to read it. Um, I tell everyone that has warranty questions, you know, get it, get educated, um, read what it says. It's very very clear. There's no gray to it. It's pretty black and white. Um, but the first item, uh, and I broke these out. This is not by any means the whole entire thing, um, but these are the ones specifically related to what we're going to talk about, you know, going forward in the next few episodes. So uh, first section, the warranty statement from Harley um, is under the exclusions, you know, area. It's item number four. And it reads this, uh, which uh, uh, a motorcycle which has off-road or competition uh, parts installed to enhance performance a trailer hitch or has other unapproved modifications, even even if these modifications include genuine Harley-Davidson parts and accessories that are not approved for use on your motorcycle. These modifications may void all or parts of your new motorcycle limited warranty. See an authorized Harley-Davidson dealer for details. So um, important part there is, you know, um, even if they're genuine, this is a common misconception, even if they're genuine Harley-Davidson parts, but they weren't meant for your model, it can have warranty implications. So um, that's where fitments come in and things like that. And, you know, we do try to stretch the envelope where, where possible as far as what fits on what. But um, as far as a warrant, from warranty standpoint, it's, you know, pretty clear that it has to be approved and tested for your bike. Um, moving on, uh, under the other limitations um, se- section, items number five and six. Uh, item number five says damage caused by installation or use of non-Harley-Davidson components, even though even those installed by an authorized Harley-Davidson dealership. 
uh, that cause a Harley-Davidson part to fail. Examples include, but are not limited to, performance-enhancing powertrain components or software, uh, exhaust systems, trailer hitches, non-approved tires, lowering kits, handlebars, and add-ons connected to the factory electrical system. And uh, item number six, uh, United States customers, uh, defects or damage uh, impacting the functionality of powertrain components in a motorcycle that has been tuned using a tuner or a calibration that was not covered uh, by California ARB executive order or otherwise approved by EPA. So we're going to get into this one deep um, in a little bit here. But uh, they're basically, you know, that's a statement for uh, United States customers specifically um, talking about the California Resources Board or CARB. Uh, we'll, we'll use that acronym um, quite a bit today but so i think just what you've said so far you know parts that are aftermarket that harley davidson had no part in designing if you introduce those on your bike you're going to see negative warranty implications there and and the comment i see so often from people is you know wow these parts are really good that i've been installing you know xyz aftermarket company has been doing it for a long time and you know a lot of people would try to argue that maybe they do it better than harley davidson which i'm Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I'm not going to go there. But, you know, they they say, well, these parts are so good. Why would Harley-Davidson void the warranty when I put this great aftermarket part on my bike? And I, I think the bottom line is is whether it's good or not, Harley-Davidson d- didn't design it. Correct. There's no reason why they should pay for a failure based on somebody else's product. Yeah, exactly. You know, that they're... There, I got a lot of stories about that, and we can talk about one in a little bit. But um, there are instances like that where the you know, the aftermarket part is superior or performs better than the Harley Davidson part. Um, but again, Harley Davidson didn't test it; they don't advocate it; they don't they're not responsible for it or anything that's connected to it in that manner. You know, it's it's not their part. You know, they certify their part, and in my experience, they're they they do back that statement up. You know, they they're they do stand behind their products and when needed they you know out of policy stuff they they adjust it and try to make it right and um, do everything they can you know to make it make it right but they they're you know they have to know they have to trust the dealership and trust the people that they're talking to that they're doing the right thing also so um yeah but that's a good point Matt. you know and just that that's kind of you know try to amplify that that even though a part's installed by a harley-davidson dealership that doesn't make it a Harley Davidson warrantyable part, even on your new bike, you know. That's a good point because I think sometimes yeah. people, especially uh, that are maybe new to the motorcycle world, they come in, they buy parts, maybe they're not uh, uh, genuine Harley Davidson parts, and they get those mm-hmm. installed on their bike. Yeah, um, they don't understand that hey, this isn't actually a Harley part. And another th- a point I want to yeah. make too is, you know, regardless of how good an, an aftermarket part may be, if it doesn't work in harmony with the other Harley Davidson parts on the bike, well, that's not a good thing. That's that's potentially a bad thing. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how high quality that part is, if it doesn't work properly in harmony with the other parts, and it causes those other parts to fail, mm-hmm. well, then that's a problem that you know, quite frankly, Harley is not you know responsible for. And you know, I don't, don't want to make this podcast all about you know trying to defend Harley and their decisions. Yeah. Because quite frankly, I'll say this right off the bat. You know, we just working back there, and, and you know, you give me your opinion on this, Keith. I feel like Harley Davidson usually gives a tie to the customer almost every time. I mean, they want people on Harley Davidson's to be happy. Right. And if, if it means them, you know, covering a warranty claim when there is a tie, usually tie goes to the runner and it's usually just these, you know, it's usually pretty obvious that, Hey, this part that was introduced to the bike caused a a mechanical failure and Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to cover that. And I feel like so many times people think that, well, Harley Davidson's trying to save a buck, and so they're going to deny as many claims as possible. When really, that's just not the frame, the, the mindset, or the frame of mind that, that they're no, in. No, it's yeah. There's two perspectives to it. You know, one is like, oh, they're it's them against me, you know, type of thing. Which it's not. That's not how it really is. It's they're you're their customer, and they're going to do everything they can to you know make you happy. But it has to be framed in a set of rules. That's that's uh, that's. mutually agreeable I guess you would call it or that's fair you know it's not fair to them you know to any any company or other it's Harley or any you know consumer you know retail product out there you know that they that they're responsible for anything that you choose to do to your motorcycle or whatever you're talking about Um, that's not a fair statement and it's not you know that's not legally binding and stuff like that It's, it's not 
that's not fair fair for them. So um, there's a because there's such a vast aftermarket out there, um, and there's a lot of great quality aftermarket parts. And you know, there's a yeah. lot of things that Harley doesn't even make that people want. You I know? run a lot of aftermarket parts on my yeah. bike, you know, and there's nothing wrong. We're not bad mouthing aftermarket. You no, just not gotta a, know the yeah. risk versus risk versus reward. Yeah, that's, that's all a, we're saying here. That's the aim here, you know. You know, kind of focusing everything is like. Um, education, educate people and make an educated, help them make an educated decision of what they're actually deciding when they decide to put, exactly. you know, whatever part they're going to put on their bike and understanding that there's more to the story than just, i saw this cool thing and you know, I'm going to bolt it on. And cause this guy told me it's going to make, you know, 20, 30 more horsepower that, you know, yeah. it's, it's wild. And we'll, we'll talk about that kind of stuff, you know, too, when we talk about, when we get into the performance part of it. So, yeah. Um, so moving on with the warranty stuff, we'll wrap it up. Um, and the last kind of statement, and it's, it brings it all home uh, a lot, which is it's uh, it's titled um, in a section called, it's actually titled this exactly, Important, Read Carefully. <laughs> um, and then there's some of it's um, uh, actually capitalized. Um, so item, it's the first item in that section. Um, and it reads, Authorized Harley-Davidson dealers are independently owned and operated and may sell non-Harley-Davidson products. Because of this, and this is where it gets capitalized, so they're trying to really emphasize it, Harley-Davidson is not responsible for the safety, quality, or suitability of any non-Harley-Davidson part, accessory, or design modification, including but not limited to labor, which may be sold and or installed by authorized Harley-Davidson dealers. So that's pretty clear. Like, that brings it all together at the end, kind of in the important read carefully statement yeah. so yeah and that's in the owner's manual right yeah that's you in the that. owner's manual yeah another thing that i think that was important that you said there was labor as well you know we times a lot of times we get these guys that um buy parts they put it on at home which nothing against that that's you know part of the enjoyment of riding a harley davidson and, and harley davidson ownership but you install it wrong harley's not going to cover yeah. it you know that's a, that's an important point too to make a d- distinction between so like harley has their uh Chrome co- or custom coverage, you know, policies and stuff like that. So anything that a dealership installs um, on your motorcycle within the with, from the purchase date to up to 60 days afterwards is covered for the term of the vehicle warranty for two years, right? So other besides that, if you buy a part over the counter and decide to put it on at home, great, good job. Read the instructions like I previously said in a podcast before this. But um, – understand that it's it's covered for one year from the date of purchase. So if you buy an air cleaner kit or whatever today and you wait till you know next month to put it on, it's not when you put it on, it's when you bought it. Um this and is the parts warranty. Yeah, the parts about. warranty. Yeah. Completely so, separate from the vehicle warranty. Correct. Yeah, it's covered by a what you know, a one year uh, like over the counter warranty or Harley Davidson calls that like a DFS defective stock um warranty. And they do not pay labor on that. So on a claim that was installed by the dealership. Um, they'll pay labor on that that stuff. If you if a part you know fails, even if it even if it fails, and you have the dealership, like say back to the air cleaner example, you put your own air cleaner on, and you know down the road the cover, you know I don't know one of the fasteners fails or whatever, and it's actually like a warrantyable item. Regardless, Harley's not going to pay the labor for that item to be replaced. They'll pay for to replace the item, but they won't pay for the labor to replace it. Yeah, they're not um, going to warranty your labor, correct. but they will warranty Harley Davidson yeah. trained technicians labor. Yeah. And again, it's only one year. And so it's like, you know, 365 days from the date of purchase where with the, uh, custom coverage, you know, stuff, it's, it's the whole like two year, you know, unlimited mileage warranty that all of the bikes have. So, yeah. So I, I think it's important to kind of clear that up for a second. So, you know, Harley Davidson has what's called custom coverage where any genuine Harley part that you buy and get installed at the dealership within the first 60 days of your motorcycle ownership will be 100% covered, you know, labor, parts, everything for the duration of your warranty, which is two years unless you extend your warranty, Correct. which you can, ex- you can extend your warranty by up to an additional five years for a total of seven. Then at the end of that seven years, you can actually extend it again. But the parts you get purchased and installed in the first 60 days of ownership all underneath your vehicle warranty. Right. And, and if it's, if you purchase the part after that 60 days of, of when you purchase your bike, you just get the one year parts over the counter warranty. Correct. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, just, I wanted to share one, you know, horror story there. And we keep, we were talking about air cleaners cause that's a big 
bulk of the stage one, but I shared this story with Matt yesterday, which is worth mentioning. So we had a customer a couple years back um, come in, and he had a uh, actually had a Harley Davidson stage one air cleaner on his brand new bike, still under warranty, but he had uh, chosen to install an aftermarket um, cover. So this particular one was styled as a U.S. Marine Corps like you know billet uh, cover, and it attached to the outside of the air cleaner. So uh, when we came in contact with the bike, it came in as like it will not start. And so the battery was dead and blah, blah, blah. So we went through our, you know, process of charging the battery and trying to diagnose what was wrong with the bike. So we realized right away the battery was charged up, but the bike just, you hit the start button, it was just a big metallic clunk, right? And so we're like, hey, something's wrong. So we have a borescope here, um, which is a device we can put down the spark plug hole. That's a digital camera that can, you know, we can look inside the cylinder without taking the engine apart. So we discovered that the rear piston was just in pieces, right? So you're like, well, it's a brand new bike, you know, nothing's really modified on it other than air cleaner and some mufflers. And what what broke this piston? This doesn't happen. This is strange. Yeah. So we got further into it, took the cylinder head off, and realized that um, the stud that holds that aftermarket air cleaner on cover on was ingested into the rear cylinder and destroyed the piston and locked up the engine. So I had to unfortunately, you know, call the customer, explain to him like, hey, sir, um, you're bike that doesn't have very many miles on it at all um your engines needs to be replaced pretty much um and here's why but it's not a warrantable defect um my point there is like something as simple as that and the the problem you know getting deeper into it if people you know want to really know what the issue was there that stud is wasn't machined on it was actually you know screwed into that cover to screw into the air cleaner Whoever put it on initially either didn't lock tight it or didn't tighten it correctly or whatever. When the customer took it off one day to clean his air filter, that stud removed itself from that cover. And then he didn't know where it went and didn't think about trying to find it. Um, and he got another one and put it on and put it back on. Well, that one that was now inside the air cleaner, you know, or inside the intake track, found its way into the engine. So yes. um, that that's, I share that story only because, you know, just, you know, bring home, like, you know, pay attention to what you're putting on your bike. You know, like we all want to ride these motorcycles and have them be, uh, have them be reliable and put miles on. That's what we're doing here. Um, and something as simple as, you know, an air cleaner cover like that, which yeah. you don't, it was really mundane, um, can cause you, you know, serious issues. So. Yeah. 99, 99.99% of the people that put an air cleaner cover on there it's going to be fine. It's a simple job. Yeah. You can do it, but it's that 0.001% that, yeah, may have an issue. So you just, yeah, I think your point is you, yeah. you just never know. Even the smallest jobs can have catastrophic consequences. Yeah, and, and I'm further going further into it. I mean, I don't know who made that cover specifically or, you know, but I would assume a company that's putting, you know, product like that out has a set of instructions. I know I keep going back to this, but it's like the number one problem with things is people don't read instructions it's by nature mm-hmm. oh i can do this this is easy right yeah but i'm bolts. sure it tells you in there may, they maybe even included in the package some loctite for that stud when you put it on mm-hmm. um and it just didn't get used you know and and so that's you know follow the, look at at least read the instructions and follow them like and if you don't understand something you know call someone like us or someone else that you know that that has done it before you know to help explain it to you if you don't if you don't understand it that that all kind of kicks it all off you know like that's been a source of a lot of uh, issues over the years yeah, <laughs> I've uh, experienced. Yeah. So, well, so let, let's uh, talk exhaust real quick. Yeah. And exhaust is huge in the Harley Davidson world. You mm-hmm. know, I, I want to say like 90% of people that own Harleys change out their exhaust. Yep. Um, that's just off the top of my head. But um, the biggest question I get is, you know, what can I do, Matt? And I, I want my bike to sound loud and great. Yep. And, you know, kind of like what, what are my options or what, what's the best exhaust out there? And it's, that's not a simple question to answer because yeah. there's a lot of variables there. But, um, yeah, I, I think to keep things simple, you know, there's there's the, the idea of, you know, mufflers, just muffler only or full right. exhaust systems. Yeah. And what tuner do you use to, to tune that? Yeah. So I think we have to jump so into that. Yeah, we're going to jump into that, you know, just quickly on exhaust. Um, and it it warrants mentioning because it's kind of been the trend lately. We were talking about this just before we started recording. Um, but there's a there's an entity called the California Resources Board, right, um, or CARB for short. Um, they test all – exhaust is one big – one where they kind of started because there's a sound component as well as an emissions, you know, component to it. Um, but they also, you know, approve uh, 
tuners and uh, stage kits now and all these kind of things. And they're, they're actually the ones that test the motorcycles in stock configuration to certify their, um, you know, their, their, you know, application in California or they're meeting the California standard. Now, the reason I mentioned that is, you know, you might be in another state obviously and say, well, what, why does that matter to me? Well, the, why it matters is the, you, the federal EPA, they're their own entity, but it, it's been a trend lately that uh, they follow suit with whatever California does because California Air Resources Board has uh, the funding. Um, they're self-funded now. Um, they're, they're the funding to actually do the research on these things and, and certify their use and what they do and these kind this kind of stuff. So um, there's no law. There's it's kind of like erasing the. There used to be like the 49 state versus California versus 50 state or California approved stuff. Um, that's kind of going away. Those lines are being blurred. So there's either like, you know, in the performance world, it's either competition only, race use only, or it's 50, 50 state legal. Um, and so uh, uh, regarding exhaust, which is what you what your question was about, um, there's a lot of verbiage in this, these statements. You can read them on the California Resources Board website if you like. But just to simplify it for everyone, um, it comes down to whether your bike was originally equipped with a catalytic converter or not. Um, so we're talking about any bike made like t- later in 2009, they have a catalytic converter uh, in the head pipe or the muffler. Um, if the catalytic conver- if it was originally equipped with a catalytic converter, that catalytic converter has to stay in place and functioning. So those bikes that have catalytic in the exhaust system uh, or in the muffler, rather, um, touring bikes specifically like in 9, nine 10, 11, I think up to 12, um, they have catalytic sections in the muffler. So you have to replace them with a approved, another approved catalytic muffler. After that, Harley moved the catalytic syst- uh, portion of the exhaust system into the head pipe. So um, that's when we talk about putting, you know, like uh, slip-on mufflers um, or like in a car world, they call it a cat-back system. So anything, you know, um, on the exit side of the catalytic converter um, is pretty much fair game. You can do do whatever you want um, as long as it meets, you know, uh, the the sound emission standards. Yeah. Um, which is a whole nother topic, which we're really not going to get into. So it's 80 decibels if you want to know what the range is. And it's certified when the when this exhausts are brand new. They wear, the baffles wear over time. You know, the, all the manufacturers make a statement of, you know, it's the uh, it's the user's responsibility to maintain them. You know, I, I, I can count on one hand how many times we've unpacked a pipe to repack it in, in my 20 years, but... Because Take it, that for it what unpack, it's worth. As it unpacks, it gets louder. Yeah. People, that's a desirable trait. Yeah. For most so customers, they certify so it when it's new. Yeah. So they don't. Yeah. yeah. If it wears, they don't. People don't care about it. So, so just to you know, simplify what you just said too. So the the modern touring bikes, because they have the catalytic converter in the head pipe, mm-hmm. you can pretty much change the muffler. Yep. And you'll be within the the CARB or EPA Correct. standards. So from a yep. government standpoint, uh, you're you're okay. Correct. Yeah. From a from a mission standpoint, you're okay. You know? But the the soft tails, like the newer soft tails, the catalytic converter, besides two models, I believe, mm-hmm. are in the uh, the muffler. So changing Correct. the mufflers on the soft tails, with the exception of the fat bob, and is there one more? The fat bob and the uh, the spark light. Is it the spark light. The ones that have the yeah, they have the larger you know, um, like you know, head pipe system. So there's no there's no. Sp- there's on the other models like the Street Bob um, and the Breakout uh, that have you know separated pipes like that. There's not they can't fit the catalytic enough of a catalytic in there to make you know to be effective and still maintain performance. So they move it to the muffler. Um, so like the mufflers that are approved for those, like I think uh, Harley's are uh, Screaming Eagles are obviously approved. Um, SNS has their Grand National muffler, I believe that's um, for the Fat Bob at least I know, um, and I believe the Street Bob's now too. Um, that uh, is, you know, 50 state compliant or California compliant as well as they have a two-into-one system, which we'll get into, like you just alluded to. We'll talk, we can talk about that right now if you want. Um, the difference between the exhaust systems, you know, so like stage, you know, normal stage one is, you know, like a, like a slip-on muffler. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way things go. And then beyond the slip-on muffler, you have like a full exhaust system. Um, there's very few out there that are actually, you know, um, EPA compliant and and warrantable. Obviously, the only warrantable ones are the Harley Davidson ones, which they have a performance exhaust system, like for touring bikes, for instance, that uh, moves. It's an open head pipe, but it moves the catalytic section of the exhaust to the mufflers. So it basically 
um, to explain it best, it almost doubles the volume or the the, the catalytic's can, uh, ability to handle uh, volume of airflow or exhaust flow. Um, it it in, increases the c- capability of the exhaust system, so it no longer becomes a restriction. It's now still perf- works like it's supposed to by you know EPA standards, but it can process more volume of air if that makes sense. Yeah, and so, that, that's the screaming eagle full. Full yeah, full system. screening performance exhaust cement, as well as um, the uh, SNS um, two into one uh, system. Uh, the fifty there's two versions: the fifty state compliant one. They have it for soft tails and touring bikes. Uh, it uh, it's also EPA and CARB approved. So um, I, there might be a few more out there, but those are the ones I'm most familiar with. Um, I believe that pipe's called the Street Sweeper. Yeah, we did it on our Coast Glide two build. For those mm-hmm. of you who are, who are familiar with that, but yeah, it's a two into one. We also did it on a couple of customers, but yeah, that, that's yeah. a. Uh, and, and so you guys know, too, like, if it's illegal exhaust, we can't sell it, you know, at our dealership. So, yeah, so that that's know. an important thing, too, like, uh, to talk about, you know, uh, we get a lot of heat for that or we get a lot of hate, you know, we get a lot of customers coming to the counter and they don't understand. So I try to explain the best I can, which is a great thing to explain here. Um, we're a Harley-Davidson dealer and we're, we're our company and we're responsible. Um, the penalties for selling, so... We're going to touch on this in some other areas too, which maybe I'll just cover it right now. Um, the best way to explain it is like the Screaming Eagle, Screaming Eagle parts catalog explains it the best. There's a, there's two, there's two now like um, icons inside the catalog when you're looking at it. Some people don't notice them at all, but they're there and there's an explanation in the book about them. One's a green light or a, looks like a traffic light, right? Those items are 50 state compliant. So they're available for sale and installation throughout the United States. Then there's a cross flags and that's what they call like race use only. Um, and their official statement is not approved for, not approved for sale or use on pollution controlled vehicles. So that's pretty clear. Like, you know, California has got the most pollution control of anyone. Um, so, so if it's a racing as the logo indicating it's a racing application only, then you, you, and that bike, once you put those parts on there, that's to be used at the drag strip yeah, for, only. Yeah, for sale or use. So or just use. the act of selling it, you're violating the, the laws and the rules, you know, regarding the EPA and carb, carb compliance. Stuff uh, like unless that. the person you're selling it to is going to be using it on the drag strip. Correct. Yeah, unless they're, you know, that's their own personal accountability. You know, what if they're buying it over the counter, you know, it's like, all right, well, you know, we have to ask those questions, but back to like our own responsibility. Like I have a responsibility in my position as the service manager to the ownership of the dealership to, you know, to service our customers, but also keep us from these undue liabilities. I mean, the penalty last I read for like, if you sell like uh, one, com- one non-compliant part for per incident, it's like $10,000. Like, and it goes beyond that. It's, it's not just a, not just a uh, company, but they can hold, they can hold you personally accountable for that. Like if I was standing at the counter and some guy comes up and says, "I want to buy this whatever um, non-compliant part," and I'm in California and I sell it, if if it comes to it and they want to make an issue of it, they can come after the dealership and me personally for that. Um, on a, from a legal sense, is that going to happen? Probably not. I mean, I, I've never heard of it happening. I mean, there's been some recent you know settlements made by the motor company and couple other aftermarket companies, you know, I know it's public, so we can talk about it, you know, Vance and Hines and, and, uh, and Dinojet both in the last like decade have settled major multi-million dollar lawsuits with, with the California EPA or California Air Resources Board. But, um, and you can read about it on the internet, like, you know, I, I don't want to go into detail about that. I know about it, but you know, better people read it on their own. Um, but it's, but it is out there. So that it's, it's reality. It does, it does happen. Um, but, uh, that's the, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, um, of, of how these things go. So as a dealership, um, we do, you know, we, we don't as a policy sell anything that's not, not compliant. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of manufacturers now because they can go up to the manufacturer level and hold them, hold them responsible also, um, are getting served with suits from selling parts into California that are non-California compliant. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of that that goes on probably less now than there yeah. was maybe five years ago, but you know, we still see tons of aftermarket exhaust that's illegal going around on the roads yeah. and you know, guys, guys still find ways to get it. Um, and I'm not saying for or against it, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, uh, guys get it, they go out of state to get it, you know? So I, I know a lot of people will say like, well, my buddy, you know, has this pipe, this 
XYZ pipe that's not carb compliant, well, they're, they're, you can still get them. You yeah. Know, they're, they're still out there. And, you know, right now, um, you know, you don't have to smog your motorcycle. Hopefully it stays that way. So, you know, once you get it and it's on there, you know, it's kind of hard yeah. for that, for them to kind of police that, you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, it's still out there. It still goes on all the time. A lot of, you know, the bikes I feature on my YouTube channel, you know, guys have gotten that exhaust, you know, wherever they get it. I typically don't ask questions. Um, you know, guys are still running them. Yeah, so they are. That's one of true. Those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, a lot of my point there is a lot of manufacturers are savvy to this now and they won't sell you, you know, they won't sell you. If you're in California, even if you're a dealer, they won't even allow you to order or ship you parts that are non compliant because they know they can be held accountable um, if, the, if it comes to it. So, um, just to explain, you know, that, that's kind of explaining our position on it. We, we can't as a dealership get into that realm. You know, believe me, when this all came down, like, then all the perform- people were selling all kinds of performance parts, and it was a huge profit center for oh, we, us. Yeah, and we lost every tons dealer. of money on aftermarket exhaust. That's yeah, it hurt. Now I illegal. mean, from a business standpoint, it hurt. And, yeah. you know, I had those conversations with your, you know, your uncle and your grandpa and stuff. And we made a, you know, a decision and a policy as a dealership to, to, that we were going to be on the right side of this thing, regardless of what it was going to kind of cost us at the time. And um, it's, it's proved to be, it's proved out to be true. I know some dealers, you know, in the area in the past have been, you know, Hold, held accountable and served and had to go to court and deal with these things. And, you know, um, it, it's not fun to deal with it, but it, it is what it is. I mean, there's right. no, there, we can't do anything about it at our level. All we can do is be, do the best we can do. And there, there's options out there still that yeah. are carb compliant. You know, mm-hmm. most touring bikes, you know, you throw a set of mufflers on there. Like I personally run a set of Reinhardt mufflers on my bagger. Yeah. Sounds great. You know, is it that real big, loud, raw, like you can hear it from three blocks away sound? No. And yeah. some guys, you know, want that. And I, I, heck, I think it's fun to, to ride a bike like that every once in a while as well. Um, well, all the, all these manufacturers are going to, uh, they're, they're getting their mufflers certified like uh, Vance and Hines and Reinhardt. The big boys are doing yeah, and Cobra, the proper legality Yeah, stuff. and SNS. SNS is really ahead of it. Like SNS was traditionally like a very high performance company. They started out making, you know, high performance engine components, stuff like that. But they've they've actually, you know, shifted focus and they've uh, they've done a great job at it in my opinion. Um, yeah. They but all these companies are getting these uh, ex- what they call a OE or executive order or EO, sorry, executive order. Um, certificate from saying that this particular part and they they do they do like go by part number and detail and model and year of what they're certified for um so that allows them to you know be able to to certify that their parts you know compliant in california and continue to sell into our market um, where you see a lot of other manufacturers traditional manufacturers like samson some of the other ones cycle shack and stuff like that Uh, matter of fact cycle shack might have an exhaust for a touring bike now I, th- I think I heard, um, but they, they just Samson for all intents and purposes went out of business almost. I mean, I think well, they it costs got a lot of money to get yeah. all these things certified and everything. Yeah, they so. moved, they were a California company. They actually moved out of California, I believe, um, just because of this issue. And they, their presence in the exhaust market is vastly diminished from what it was, yeah. you know, a decade ago or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of it, um, on the exhaust side well, of the so, house. So, you know, one of the most common questions too that I get is people want to say, well, if I do an exhaust system, is it going to avoid my warranty? You know, let's say it's a full exhaust system. Let's say it's an illegal exhaust system. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to come in here and they, you know, they, they're worried that their warranty is going to be avoided because they yeah. read some guy on some forum that says I changed my exhaust and it got voided. And I usually yeah. typically say, um, you know, stick to the Harley Davidson tuner. You know, yeah. if, as soon as you go to an aftermarket tuner and we hook it up to our, our computer here, it, your VIN's going to be flagged and you're done. Yeah, you know? let's let's talk about that because yeah. that's a that's a recent development that's that people are kind of there's a lot of questions because not everybody's a lot of misinformation in, informed about it. Yeah, yeah. So they go hand in hand too. So for instance, um, going segueing from exhaust to tuners, the issue comes in where you have you get an exhaust system that's non-compliant, that's non-warrantable, that's that's you know basically you know. Uh, wide open or makes power like at the higher RPM ranges or whatever. Um, to properly tune to that, you have to tune to any exhaust system really, you know, besides slip on mufflers, you can normally put them on and the, the bike will compensate for them. But once you change the air cleaner, you really got to tune it. The Harley Davidson tuner has its capabilities, right? So this is, you know, uh, a very detailed situation. Harley Davidson's pro street tuner, which is their basic bottom line, you know, first stage tuner, um, it 
for 16 and later bikes, there's no calibration. So those of you that are out there um, that are like used to getting a download and not having to buy an actual like tuner, the price difference is like a couple hundred bucks. Um, where we used to like up to 06, we used to be able to, you know, um, or I'm sorry, up to 2016, we used to be able to just put a download in out of digital tech and it was like 100, under 200 bucks. Um, that no longer exists. So 16 and later, they have you have to use this pro, uh, the a tuner, tuner so which is 300 bucks or something yeah, like that. Three something, yeah, I can't yeah. remember. But um, so there's that. Um, that tuner is now like burned into the memory of that ECM for that bike. It's it's married to that bike for lack of a better description. Um, and you can only tune that bike with it. Now it comes with the software that has a, bit, a certain amount of base maps that are based on Harley Davidson Screaming Eagle components. You have some range of tuning there, you know, within reason of what the, you know, what's allowed. Um, and generally speaking, it's about 4% from wherever the base map is. So about so it's, it's basically a canned, people commonly right. refer to as a, a canned map. Right. Or ba- yeah, what we like, what we call in our world, like a base map. Um, or, or baseline so it's base map now that map can be customized a little bit you know with that software to your particular bike um, we can go into that too if you want to but um, so you basically tell the computer hey this is a stage one here's the can map okay this is a stage two with the torque cam this is the can yeah. map for that and 90 i would say 98 percent of customers that map is fine it's great it works for an air cleaner and mufflers and whatever it says it works for, it does work for that. Because Harley's put in the uh, the the work, the leg yep. work. They've dialed all the uh, parameters, and yeah. everything, and they've done the the work for you. That two percent that it doesn't work well f- as perfectly for um, is normally guys that ride. Um, I'll say it. I'll say. I guess the best way to put it is they ride a little differently, or they have a particular riding style that the that they that a normal uh, mapping or tuning situation can't compensate for for instance i have a customer that has a stage four which we'll talk about later that um that had a particular issue he would bring the bike in and i couldn't duplicate it because and it came it became clear to me after you know talking to him that um it's because i do, i don't ride the way he rides so the t- the harley tuner has a way and a lot of the other ones too of doing what we call uh, a smart tune live or smart tune where you can actually hook the tuner up like the Harley one, for instance, you can hook it up, put it in a, in a mode with the computer that that'll record the information, all the sensor information on the bike while you're riding it. It'll, it, it has a, enough memory for about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, so what I did with that customer, which I've done it with in the, with a few customers and it's helped out a lot is um, having them putting them in the mode for them and go having them go ride it. Now, when they come back, you can download that information from the tuner back into the software and it will actually analyze what's going on real time on the bike and compare and make mapping suggestions based on that information comparable to what the original, whatever map you had in it was. You can accept or deny those depending on what you're doing. But in my experience, after you do this two or three times, so on that particular customer, he had a really, you know, he said a pronounced like stumble right off idle. So you know, in his in his world, you know, he's he came over from the you know uh, import bike world um, where the riding's a little different. He was still trying to ride his Harley like an import bike, um, so it it didn't work well. Well, through this process of doing this three or four times, we got his map dialed in, and he reported back to me afterwards like it's a different motorcycle now. Mm. And um, that's just with the Pro Street Tuner alone. No, that's well, that particular bike had the Pro Street Tuner and the Smart Tune Pro. Okay. So then, you know, go in the Harley world, we go into you know uh, the Smart Tune Pro is the next step. Um, which gives you a wide band capability um, without going over teching everybody on the difference between narrow and wide band. Basically, a narrow band O2 sensor can only read a certain width of information. Uh, it's like zero to five volts, I believe. Um, and the uh, wide band can see a much larger. It's like, I guess um, it'd be like looking through a pair of binoculars is like um, a narrow band sensor versus looking through a wide angle lens. That's a wide band sensor to kind of get it get but a visual perspective on it. So it uses more data to yeah. then recalculate. The, it can like see a brighter, it can see a wider range of data of data. Yeah. yeah. So, and the smart tune pro um, can, you know, it, it'll, it'll actually make on, on the fly changes on its own based on whatever information it's getting um, from, from the O2 sensors. Um, and it also opens up because of that, the control of control factor of it, it opens up another uh 16% of tuning. So you have the original 4% that you had with the street tuner and 
you add another 16%. So for a total of 20% um, adjustment from your, whatever your base map is um, on with you, when you add the smart tune pro. Um, so, so typically speaking, I talk about, you know, the smart tune pro, we usually call it the auto tuner. I refer yeah. to it sometimes. Um, when, when would a guy need that? You know, um, when you're, you know, uh, when you want your bike to, you know, have a very, have the capability to, um, adjust itself on its own to a wide range of, of, uh, t- uh, parameters depending on like altitude and all these other factors that come involved. But specifically when, um, you're doing like really high performance modifications, like stage, you know, fours and stage threes also, but stage four for sure. And you, those guys that are the reason, the, the reason they would want that is because they, those guys obviously want the optimum performance out of their bike, the best they can get. That's why they, you know, buck up and buy a stage four kit because they want to make the most power. Um, and they, they do make the most power, but that it's also the, the most reliable, the most rideable, you know, scenario is if the bike can actually, you know, or the uh, ECM can actually make on the fly real time changes. Um, there's a lot of variables there. Gas quality is one of them, depending on where you get gas. If you don't get gas from the same station all the time, you're traveling around the country, you know, different gas stations have different things. Um, air quality, you know, oxygen available in the air, depending on altitude. There's a lot of parameters. I mean, we can go all, on all day about the system and how it works, but the um, smart tune pro yep. uh, adapts to that type of variable Correct. a lot more. Yeah. And then especially like we talked about earlier um, in the instances where I had this cus- the, a question, this question come up just yesterday from a customer by email. Um, he was at his local dealer. He has a 2020 low rider S and he's cho- he's made this personal choice to put a, you know, other than Harley Davidson, you know, exhaust system on his bike. Um, and he, his dealership, you know, was telling him that the, uh, the smart tune pro might not be able to compensate for, for, you know, the exhaust he was trying to run, which is a known exhaust to us. Like he had the, the three exhausts, if I remember right. Um, but we've seen them before and they've worked with smart tune pro. So, um, that, that's another instance where you would for sure want to use that. Now, why you want to do that is you've, you've chosen to use, use an Harley Davidson, a non Harley Davidson exhaust system. You've made that choice as a rider, as an owner of the motorcycle. That's fine. Harley Davidson's obviously not going to be responsible for that exhaust system or, you know, the studs that it bolts to if they break or whatever, that's not their responsibility. Um, but where you really go off the reservation, as I call it, is when you use a non Harley tuner. So the Harley tuner can compensate for those exhausts with the smart tune pro. So that's where you'd want to use that, you know, exhaust system, you know, stepping outside of the motor company's, you know, umbrella, um, it will work. It does work with those, you know, two into one exhaust systems that are common on these late model soft tails and, and some dynas and stuff like that. Um, so is it fair to say that guys that want to use an aftermarket header pipe that you're, you, you do have a risk of certain things not being uh, approved as far as warranty claims, but correct. Your level of risk is, uh, uh, uh is, is, relatively low compared to other things like you know I, I think we've i think we've made it clear that if you put an aftermarket tuner on your bike you're pretty much guaranteeing that your your warranty is going to be void but that's not necessarily the case if you put an aftermarket exhaust on there although it could be but i usually i typically tell people your risk of your warranty being voided is low at that point right but there is still a chance that if the exhaust somehow negatively affects the rest of the powertrain then the powertrain components could be voided as well can you, can you kind of maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, yeah, going, circling back to what I was saying originally. So, um, when you put those non-compliant parts, exhaust or otherwise on the bike, you have to tune to them somehow. Um, when, and the Harley Davidson tuner does have its limitations. You know, that's what the, that's the, a lot of the people out there that are naysayers about it or whatever. Um, they, they say, well, it doesn't give you the control that the other tuners do, which is true. You know, the other t- other tuners are wide open. Even in the past, Harley Davidson had the Screaming Eagle race tuner. It's the orange, you know, colored one. The late model ones, are those compliant ones are black. They discontinued that part of a lawsuit that they had with the EPA, right? Um, so it, those tuners are wide open, like Screaming Eagle race tuner, Fuel Pack, Power Vision, TTS, um, Thunder Max, and there's a slew of other ones They're the tuning capabilities are wide open. None of them are, uh, co- warranty compliant at all. Um, and they're definitely not, you know, either carb compliant either. Um, some of the companies like Vance and Hines, I know they're working on, or they might, they do offer like a 
California compliant version of it that limits the tunability, um, as well as a uh, um, Power Vision or the DinoJet. That's DinoJet's product. They have a you know 50 state legal one that locks out the areas that they're not that you're not allowed to tune in. But regardless, if even if it's compliant in California or carb compliant or whatever, it's still not warranty compliant. Yeah. So all these tuners, they because of the the way they work, they they uh, marry or they you know shake hands with the ECM and now they're they're for use on that bike. Uh, besides, I think the TTS you can tune multiple bikes to the TTS. So if you have more than one motorcycle and you want to use one tuner for all of them, you can use that use a product like that. But the rest of them they marry to the ECM um, and then they change the calib the calibration ID. So on 16 and later, this happened. So 16, 2016 and later, going forward, motorcycles for, I'm sure, in perpetuity for the future, it's going to be the same way. The first thing Harley Tech Services asks us when we call to, you know, you can't replace uh, major engine components uh, without tech services authorization. So, you know, your stage four engine eats itself up for whatever reason. The first thing they ask us, we had, we had to call them, you know, VIN number, mileage, what's the situation. Um, nowadays, they um, ask for four position pictures of the bike, so front, back, left, and right. Um, any modifications to the bike, um, and then also they make us send, send in a screenshot of the calibration or the vehicle information out of digital tech, which includes the calibration ID. Um, that, that uh, well, what Matt was talking about earlier um, is they've now changed the digital tech program to anytime you plug a bike in and it sees a calibration ID that's not that it doesn't recognize um, that's not in its memory it basically puts an error up on our screen um, that says you know uh, I think it says something like a non-compliant or non-warrantable tuning device detected um, war powertrain warranty voided or whatever um, which and then it sends a, its information on to Harley-Davidson's uh, Corporates, you know, whatever. Your VIN, your VIN gets flagged in all of Harley-Davidson's yeah. databases, and you're, so done, you're done at that point. Important point there, though, is the powertrain warranty. So yeah, it's uh, the powertrain warranty. I'll give the same example they gave when they rolled this out to us, um, which is uh, like a fork seal, for instance. So say you do use a non-compliant tuner on your bike or non-warranty will tune on your bike. That's your choice. You did it knowing what was going to happen, blah, blah, blah. You plug it in. We plug it in. It sends a thing over. Now, it voids your powertrain warranty, which powertrain means anything to do with the engine, transmission, primary, from the air cleaner to the exhaust system. It's arguably the most important part of the bike. The that hard, you, yeah. Yeah, that you, want, that you want the most to be warranty. The most important and, a good point, the most expensive parts of it. I mean, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, hands down. Yeah. So um, they gave the example of fork seal. For instance, on a bike like that, say the fork seal starts leaking under the warranty period. They know that that tuner or whatever is attached to that, you know, tuner and the engine didn't cause that fork seal to leak. They are still going to cover that fork seal. Cause it's not part of the drivetrain. Correct. And it's part of the chassis. Right. So, um, so that's an important distinction to make. Cause there's, there was some, there was some, there's a lot of chatter about that. Oh, they're going to avoid yeah. my vehicle warranty. What about this? What about that? Yeah. yeah it's, it's not, it's a powertrain warranty, which Matt just alluded to is like the number one, reason why you're buying the bike in the first place right like yeah. it because it's going to move you down the road so why would you you know why would i don't know why you would walk away from that you know which is you know this i talk about this a lot because when customers come to me because i get a lot of inquiries you know about you know different kits and whatever and what my take is and, and this and this and that and my very first statement and to every customer is how important is your warranty to you that's a no, that's where it all starts and ends. Yeah. Like how important is warranty? If it's important, then we're going to talk about these things only. Which, quite frankly, if you're buying a new bike, unless you're made out of money, your warranty is important. Let's just yeah. be honest here. Yeah. Like maybe you have you know crazy money and you your pocketbook is bigger than the potential risk that you might expose yourself to. By all means, knock yourself yeah. out. Avoid your warranty. Freaking go for it. You know, there's yeah. some of these aftermarket tuners are great out there. But let's remember, too, that when you put an aftermarket tuner on there, you're literally changing how the computer functions your engine, you yeah. know? And so many people are like, oh, why is it? Why is it Harley want to cover that? Well, because you're changing Harley-Davidson's parameters in which that engine is operating. Yeah. You're changing everything. So yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's it. I mean, you summed it up good right there. Like, that's that's the where, that's the, where the rubber meets the road, really. It's like they're... 
you're changing the way the vehicle runs. And that's the other, that's my next question. You know, when I talk about performance is like, what, what's your, what's your intended use or how do you ride? Like, and not, it's not a moment to brag like, Oh, I ride, you know, super fast. Those it's like, I want to know how you ride because I'm going to tailor what I'm going to tell you to what's going to work for your situation based on what I know and what I've learned and my experience on these motorcycles. Like anyone, you know, that promises you like, you know, a finite number of horsepower or we're going to make the most power, blah, 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 whatever. Um, make sure that it fits what you're trying to do, man. Like, you know, you, I, you can make a bike make, you know, buku horsepower, put a turbo on it, do whatever. But how rideable, if you're a touring rider and you're going to ride to Sturgis, is that the, is that the, what you really want? Like you're going to burn up a bunch of gas and you're going to be stopping all the time and the bike's going to get really hot and it might not be fun for you. Like unless you're riding at where that part's designed to perform, um, you know, that's the second question I always have. Like, Hey, you know, what, what do you, what kind of riding do you do? What kind of bike do you have? What kind of riding do you do? And you know, how, how, what do you, what do you want to do and what do you expect? And then we have, then we start talking about what works for your situation. And the third question is budget. I mean, so these parts are, you know, the power that we call, we, we talk about it in dollar per horsepower. The first 10% of dollar per horsepower is relatively inexpensive. Um, depending on what components you buy, that'll dictate what that number is. But That's a good you point. know, the higher, the, the more horsepower and power you want to make and the faster you want to ride, the more expensive those, that last 10% is, is to get. Um, and well, so, yeah. I think in a lot of cases too, not only expensive, but also you're now potentially putting your warranty yeah. to get a little bit more horsepower too. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to jump ahead here, but you know, a lot of times people will ask me, okay, well, you know, a, a common comment I get on my YouTube channel when I showcase like Screaming Eagle kits is like, wow, if you would have done this cam, this aftermarket cam with this aftermarket tuner, we could have squeezed, you know, 10, 15 more horsepower. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not going to argue with you. You probably could, but yeah. at what cost? That's Your warranty has yeah. gone. And, you know, now if you have a, a mechanical failure, yeah, plus I think that the likelihood of mechanical failure is higher because now you're working with parts that aren't, are indeed by the guys that build the motorcycles. Right. So there's that risk too. So it's kind of like, okay, we're, let's look at the risk and reward. You know, the Screaming Eagle stuff is, is fast you know, are, are you really willing to give up that much to get a little bit more horsepower? That's yeah. something that it's a personal decision, right? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Like, you know, there's going to, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people commenting on this, this one too. Um, yes, it's true. There's other components out there that can make more power, more different tuners, different cams, different pistons. There's companies out there that specialize in that stuff. I've been in that realm in my, my past life. Um, because we had to, because Harley Davidson didn't make anything and it was people wanted to make, their bikes faster and there was no nothing available that was you know that was endorsed by harley or, or even researched by harley so screaming eagle has yeah. done a lot in the last decade or so and when they came out with these stage kits and the all the components are designed to work together and they've tested them and that's why they stand behind them i mean they've had failures you know like we've experienced them ourselves and but i had i can tell you without without exception they've covered everything that's that they that's happened to their components. Yeah, because, uh, you know, because the customers did it right. They, yeah. they got it covered under warranty. They had the kit installed in the first 60 days. Yeah. Or they got the Screaming Eagle coverage, which I'll talk about that in yeah. a minute. But Yeah, no matter how catastrophic from, like, everything from, you know, a baffle being loose and a muffler on a Screaming Eagle pipe, we've covered, we've, had, we've gotten those covers to, you know, valve spring failure on a, on a Stage 4 or an oil pump issue on a Milwaukee 8. That's an expensive thing. Do you think they want to pay for that? No, they don't. It's seven or eight thousand dollars when you get a new bottom end, like a short block and a whole new, you know, stage four kit to put on a motorcycle. Like, that's not a cheap repair. They don't want to. They don't want to buy that. But do they? Yes, they do because they they're responsible about it. They tested those parts for whatever reason. They failed. They cover it. Right. So the good news there is like there there's so many options now. We're gonna, that's why we're gonna that's why we're even talking about all this. Like. Stage one from stage one, different air cleaners. They have their, you know, ventilator on Harley's world. They have ventilator, heavy breather, you know, uh, extreme high flow. I mean, there's all these different flavors of stage ones alone. And then they have their stage twos cams and they have stage threes and then they have stage fours and different versions of these things um, that are all warrantyable and compliant. So I go back to your comment, like, why would you go and get a non-approved non, non -approved component put in your bike you're basically 
walking away, especially your bike under warranty. Like if your bike's out of warranty and you just want to do whatever, go for it, bro. Yeah. And you know, I can give those recommendations too. There's good companies out there. You know, they make quality products, fueling, SNS, all these companies, they, they make good stuff, you know? Um, but it's, again, it's not Harley Davidson's part. So they're not going to stand behind it no matter how quality it is or how b- much better it performs. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of people talking about that. You know, you know, this, this cam, you know, this woods cam or this fueling cam or this SNS cam does better in this combination. That's true. The devil's in the details though. Like those companies disclaim everything like, Hey, make sure you're putting in the proper valve strength, make sure you're putting in the proper push rods, lifters, all these different things that you need to upgrade to use their, their components. But we go back to the same thing. Like now the, the offerings from Harley are so vast. Um, and the, what they're willing to you know stand behind is so broad why would you do something like that? Like it's it, unless you want to yeah, make if you're racing for yeah. money and you're trying to shave, you know, tenths of yeah. a second off your quarter mile. Okay. I get it. You know, you know, you that want you, a little, the, yeah, exactly. Segment small. It's very yeah. small, you know? And so just your average, you know, typical yeah. everyday Harley rider that wants to street, you know, take his bike out on the street, you know, it, it, the risk versus reward ratio just isn't really there for most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, they jump into situations like that, and they don't even know, you know, what they're doing. Um, you know, sometimes I see these guys that, you know, they'll, they'll get like a pre-owned bike that's five, six, seven, eight years old that, you know, they don't have warranty on that they're buying specifically to hop it and race it up, and that makes a little bit more sense than going out buying a new bike and voiding the warranty right yeah. out of the gate. You know, yeah. so like he said, you know, it just kind of all depends on how you ride, what you're going to be using the bike for. Really, that's the biggest question. Yeah, that, that's you know, with performance, like, like I'm in the I'm a, I, I consider myself a responsible, you know, person as far as like recommendations and stuff like that. So, um, I don't ever experiment on customers' bikes. You find a lot of people out there that are like experimenting with the, their buddies, you know, whoever the latest flavor of the week, you know, performance part is. I don't get into that, you know, just cause I don't think it's fair to the customer. Like I'm not going to recommend something that's not proven. Um, and, and unless I've have data on it, you know, and I've tried it on my own vehicle or I've, I know someone reputable that's done it. Um, that's reliable. I'm not going to make a recommendation like that. Um, people come, you know, talk to us cause they trust us and that's our responsibility to, to, you know, be trustworthy and, and recommend things that are going to give them what they want. And that's all a matter of that question of framing. What is it that they're looking for and expecting tempering those expectations, you know, within reason. And here's what we have to offer and here's why we do it. Explaining it. This is, a, this is why we do it this way. The warranty is valid. It's going to make all the power that you'd ever want. Um, and it's going to be reliable every time you go out to start it, it's going to start, you know, then there's horror stories. I got a million of them about, you know, this great thing that seemed great on paper that was in someone's magazine, um, that someone put on their bike and, you know, caused them for whatever reason not to start or broke the engine or whatever happened. Or it has no low end power. It's only yeah. good if you got the needle up around there's you know, a 5,000 RPM. Yeah. There's a million examples. And, you know, speaking of that, like I would really encourage people you know there's a lot of magazines out there especially online now um look who's writing the article and look look where who's what part they're using and if they're not publishing a dyno chart that you uh, can understand and read that's actually in a form that's large enough to see what's going on be skeptical of that you know like um you know you can make 120 horsepower for a split second of time at 5,000 rpm but if that's not where you ride, what good is that to you? None. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, you know, be, you know, use your brain. Like, you know, you know, look at, look what, read what you're looking at. Like people send people these parts to, for them to write the article, a favorable article so they can sell more parts. It's all about making, selling parts, you know? Um, so it, it, you know, that, that's my two cents on that. That's that, uh, subject, but yeah, it is what it is. But like, you know, to, if you're going to talk about performance, let's talk about it. Let's let's sit down. Let's have a discussion. See what you want to do, and I'll recommend and tell you, explain to you why we recommend what we do. The um, pros, the cons. Yeah, the, the pros, risks, the cons, the, the risk, the co- the cost, the benefit. Yeah. You know, risk versus reward. What you're going to get versus what you're going to give up. Yeah. It's it's all, and that's another thing too. Like in performance, it's it's a compromise. A give and take. Yeah. A give and take. You're going to compromise. You know, in in some cases, you're going to compromise some reliability for some more performance. Now there's a way to do that responsibly. There's a way to do it just throwing caution in the wind and I don't give it a damn. And I'm just going to, I just want to be the guy that makes the most power on the block. All right, yeah. cool, man. Let's define those parameters and let's do it. But you know, it, th- there's, you have to have that conversation. That's where it all starts. So, yeah. 
So um, one of the reasons why we tackle this talk, topic now, guys, and maybe I said this already, but we're going to, in future podcasts, we're really going to start diving deep into the stage one through four um, and kind of what that entails. And yeah, let, let me, let us, we'll hem up stage one right now real yeah. quick. Um, basically, just for those of you out there that are, you know, we're talking in Greek about stage this, stage that. Stage yeah. one is like basically loosely defined as a, an air cleaner, an exhaust, whether it's slip-on mufflers or full system. Um, and a tuner to calibrate the you know vehicle. Um, those, those three things. Those three things. Yeah. So gen- speaking in general numbers, you know, a stock bike, a stock Milwaukee Eight, um, is going to make you know seventy between seventy and eighty horsepower, um, and a hundred a hundred to one hundred and ten foot pounds of torque. So you know, just talking about that horsepower is like kind of the uh, the overall potential capability of the vehicle to move. Um, the torque is kind of what gets you there. So basically, you know the best way to explain it in layman's terms is uh, torque is what gives you the feeling of acceleration from a stop to, you know, say 60 or 70 miles an hour. And then horsepower is what kind of holds you at those higher speeds, you know, um, is the best way to put it. There's a lot more to that conversation, but um, that's a long discussion. That's very in depth and you got to define a lot of terms. So that's the best way to put it, you know, and then what you can expect from a stage one um, is around 10% more increase in horsepower. So you're going to be in the 80 to 90% range in horsepower. Um, and, but the torque stays about the same, but the important thing there. So like 100 to 110 foot pounds of torque is it carries that torque out longer into the RPM range. So before when your torque would start to fall off, you know, at a, you know, you know, 3,500 or, you know, 3000 RPM, it's going to carry it further on to like 4,000 or 4,500 RPM. Um, so that's an important distinction there. So it's not just about the peak number, but it's about how long can you make that, um, so that's that's the game in the performance world is extending that power curve or, you know, it, what they call increasing the area under the curve or the part of the map that's, you know, blank at below where the lines on the curve are, which is what I'm talking about is like a dyno chart. Um, they're in the Screaming Eagle book, and they're, they did shift to rear, rear, uh, rear wheel horsepower, which is important to talk about. Um, which because that's the only thing that really matters. That's all that matters. You know, yeah. At the crank. Crankshaft horsepower is theoretical. It's based on a you know a mathematical equation, and it doesn't account for primary chain, clutch, uh, all the power transmission, the, the power belt, train, yeah. yeah, all those things. Um, so that that's where that's the best you know measurement of it. So just wanted to hem up that for everyone. You know, um, while we're talking about you know stage one, we did sprinkle it in our previous conversation, but just so you know, kind of more clearly define what it is, and you know what we're talking about here. And then, you know, we're going to go forward like Matt was just talking about stage two, which is generally camshaft addition to stage one. Um, and stage three is normally a larger bore, you know, piston and cylinder um, coupled with a different camshaft um, using the stock cylinder heads and stuff. And then a stage four is, you know, bigger cam, even normally higher compression pistons and, you know, a more high performance cylinder head. Um, normally when Harley's world coupled with a, um, also in a, 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 uh, higher flow um, throttle body and larger injectors. So um, there's kind of like going forward, I guess, framing what we're going to be talking about in the next few episodes yeah. um, is that that's kind of it. So unless you got more on your list. No, no. Um, yeah. So yeah, be expecting that, you know, that content coming up here in the near future. And, you know, of course, we're always going to be tying, you know, warranty stuff into that as well. Um, just because I know warranty is, uh, seems like a really hot topic lately. But, um, yeah, we've also got some really cool guests coming up, yep. up here pretty soon as well. So we've got Jeff Holt from V-Twin Visionaries, you know, huge figure in the uh, V-Twin yeah, he, motorcycle That's going to be a great discussion because um, I'm excited about that one very much. I, uh, Jeff's been in the industry a long time. And, you know, he's been, like, doing this. this uh, he's been in this game a long, long time. And he's been the previous editor of Hot Bike Magazine and stuff like that. And I never really knew him until recently, and he came in the dealership um, he was with someone that was re- representing a tire company or something, but, um, I recognized him right away and we started talking and we've talked subsequently. We worked on a couple projects with him. Um, cool guy. Um, but he's got a, he's, he's got a lot of aftermarket, you know, experience. So it'd be a great conversation to have, like, cause he's going to have a lot more to add to that. Yeah. You none, know, conversation. None better than him. Yeah. You know, he's seen it and done it all. Um, we've also got Brad Richards, who's the VP of styling over at Harley Davidson motor company, who's yeah. going to be joining us uh, pretty soon as well who, you know, that's going to be a really cool conversation as well. Um, and we also got uh, the Rusty Butcher, you know, Mark, who's going to be coming yeah. on as well. So, so some pretty cool guests we've confirmed for the future. Yeah. So I'm really excited about, you know, where the podcast is going and, and some of the future guests we have. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, I'd be looking for that stuff in the future here, guys. And thanks a lot for listening as always. And for sure. So feel, yeah. free, to, feel free to leave your comments uh, below. Keith and I usually try to read all of them and, and yeah. try to uh, tailor our comments and, and our topics around what, what you guys want to, to hear about. So keep those comments coming. And yeah, uh, I just encourage everyone, you know, uh, reach out, you know, put up a comment, send an email, whatever. Um, I've actually I've recently had a lot of contact with a lot of customers from all over the world. Matter of fact, I'm working on a project right now with a guy. I promise I give him a shout out, Brent, uh, Brent Vesey in New Zealand. I see you, man. And we're doing a Vikla project together at a distance. His, uh, the availability of parts in New Zealand is not what it is here. And he saw your Vikla video and, uh, he liked that style of bike. He's got a 06 deluxe, I believe. Um, nice. so we've been going back and forth, but, um, yeah, we're working on some cool, cool projects here in the shop, which we're hoping to highlight. Um, a couple customers, Jed Smith and all these guys are, I've been talking to that, uh, saw these videos and stuff. And it's like, Hey man, I want you to help me with my bike. And it's been fun for me. Like, you know, and, uh, but yeah, you send out an email, you know, send, I try to look at the comments at least for the next few days on the, when we put the podcast up, um, to kind of like tailor what we're going to do going forward. But yeah, for sure. Like Matt said, reach out, contact us. Um, you got questions you want to discuss, you know, stuff, you know, get at us. Uh, we're, we're on there on YouTube. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on email, however you want to get a hold of us. Just reach out and we'll do the best we can to uh, answer your questions and respond. So yeah. thanks for listening and uh, tune in in the future, man. we got some cool stuff coming up. Yeah, right on. Take it easy, guys. All right, see yeah. ya.